Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we pray as we always do that you would be in our midst here in this place. And we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit. There is a great story, a story which apparently is not true, if my five seconds of Googling are to be trusted, but there is a great story about the television studio 20th Century Fox, which in the year 1966, in an effort to drum up interest for its new ABC show, The Green Hornet, had co-star Bruce Lee's hands registered as lethal weapons. Quentin Tarantino references this in his new movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which has Lee make the claim that his hands are registered as lethal weapons, so if he accidentally kills somebody in a fight, he goes to jail. Of course, Brad Pitt accurately retorts in the movie that if anybody kills somebody accidentally in a fight, they go to jail. Again, while it seems as though the whole hands registered as lethal weapons thing isn't true, It's really too bad because it would be a great way uh, to make a connection to our reading this morning from Isaiah, where the Israelites seem to be claiming that they are lethal weapons. He made my mouth like a sharp sword, they say. He made me a polished arrow, and with these weapons, God will be glorified. So, are the Israelites bragging here? Are they saying, like Quentin Tarantino's fictional Bruce Lee, you better watch out, my hands are registered as lethal weapons. That's what I thought at first when I read this passage, but then verse 4 of our reading comes crashing in with a completely different feel. After the Lord says to Israel, you are my servant in whom I will be glorified, we have Israel's Response, and here it is. This is Isaiah 49, verse 4. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Yet surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with my God. Well, this is quite a transition, isn't it? From my hands are lethal weapons, my mouth a sharp sword, and me a polished arrow to, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for nothing, and vanity. The jump was so stark that I felt like I had to go back to the previous chapter to find out what was going on. And wouldn't you know it, reading more of the Bible was actually a good thing. This is a pro tip for all of you out there. If you're reading the Bible and you're having trouble understanding the Bible, read more of the Bible. There's no such thing as too much. Let God's word work on you. 
When in doubt, read the Bible. Use God's word to interpret God's word. So I went back to chapter 48. And here's what I found. I want to read to you verses 17 to 22, because I think these verses will help us understand what's going on in the next chapter, chapter 49. So this is Isaiah 48, 17 to 22. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One, of Israel. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river, and your righteousness like the ways of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand, and your descendants like its grains. Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. Go out! From Babylon, flee from Chaldea. Declare this with a shout of joy. Proclaim it. Send it out to the end of the earth. Say the Lord has redeemed his servant, Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the deserts. He made water flow from them for them from the rock. He split the rock and the water gushed out. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. There is no peace. For the wicked. And look, Israel is being wicked. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments, said the Lord. In other words, they're not paying attention to God's commandments. Then, if you had paid attention, he says, your peace would have been like a river. Then, your righteousness like the ways of the sea. Then, your offspring would have been like the sand, your descendants like its grains. Then, Their name would never be cut off or destroyed from before me. But you didn't pay attention to my commandments, did you? I've sent you prophet after prophet to speak the truth to you about your lives. And you just keep right on sinning. Oh, you wicked Israel. But then he sends them out anyway. He gives them a job to do. Go out, God says. Declare this with a shout of joy. Proclaim it. Send it out to the end of the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant, Jacob. Tell everyone, says God, that I save sinners. And then we get to our reading. Then... In chapter 49, the people go out. Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver. He hid me away and he said to me, You are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. The stuff about sharp swords and polished arrows isn't the people bragging. It's more like it's more like they're shocked. He made me an arrow in his quiver. He's going to use me to bring light to the nations. He's going to be glorified in me. I'm the one, remember from just a couple verses ago, who hasn't paid attention to his commandments. Again and again, I have been called to repentance because of my behavior. It's astounding 
that God is going to use these people to accomplish his purposes. And yet that's the promise. The promise of God is that Israel and similarly redeemed sinners like us will be a light to the nations. He says this explicitly in chapter 49, verses 6 and 7, which read, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel. I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. It's not enough that you might recover the lost from your friends and family, from your own nation. No, through you, my salvation will reach to the ends of the earth. But how will sinners like us accomplish this? Well, we won't. Look again at who is the actor in our sharp swords and polished arrows. Hands are registered as lethal weapons verses. Let's read that passage again and put a little different emphasis on some of the words. The Lord called me from the womb. From the body of my mother, he named my name. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me a polished arrow. In his quiver, he hid me away. And he said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Notice anything about the passage now? God is in control at absolutely every point. God is the actor all the way through. It is God's hands that hold the lethal weapons. He's the one who called us from the womb. He's the one who calls us by name. He's the one who forms us into an instrument for his use. And he's the one who uses us. He chooses to glorify himself through us. We are secondary to him in every respect. We won't accomplish anything, but everything will be accomplished by God through us. And now, knowing that, knowing that God has been in control from the very beginning, doesn't it seem a little silly for us, like the Israelites, to say, Oh, my hard work has been in vain. My strength has all gone for nothing. Don't you find yourself saying this? I do. All the time. To use the imagery of Isaiah, it's easy for us to imagine that we are arrows in God's quiver. An arrow, of course, can't do any good if it tries to wriggle away from the archer and do the work on its own. Even if an arrow could somehow hop out of the quiver, hop over to the target and try to stick itself in, it wouldn't do anything. It would just bounce harmlessly off. There would be no weight behind it. I can hear it now. Ugh, all my hard work has been in vain. I expended all my energy and strength for nothing. I jumped out of the quiver, hopped all the way over here, and I haven't even made a dent in the target. But now imagine an arrow in the hands of a skilled archer. The arrow needs to do nothing but remain in the form in which the archer made it. It is the archer who sharpens 
the arrow and hides it away in the quiver. It is the archer who takes the arrow out of the quiver and the archer who puts it on the string. It is the archer who uses his strength to pull the arrow back and the archer who aims. Finally, it is the archer who decides when to release the arrow and only then will the arrow hit the target and stick in it. The arrow needs the strength and wisdom of the archer to accomplish its purpose. If I were to ask you which did the work, the archer or the arrow, which would you say? If I tried to tell you it was the arrow that did the work, you'd call me crazy. The archer is in control at every point, from sharpening the arrow until it sticks in the target. And it is the same way with the work in this world. God does the work. He is the archer. We are his arrows. Now, there is at least one glaring proof that it is God who does the work. We are each here this morning. We are here in a school cafeteria when it's 20 degrees outside. Think about it. Why are we here We might think that it's something we've done. I did set my alarm last night. I got out of bed earlier than I wanted to. I drove here in the bitter cold. But I am here really to worship the God who took control of my life. To praise his name for saving my soul. You may be here for the same reason. You may not even be totally sure why you're here. But I'll tell you, God brought you here. It is he who takes the action in our lives. The action he started many years ago when Jesus went to the cross for our sins. We were powerless under the pressure and condemnation of sin and God rescued us. He is the actor there too. For God so loved the world that he sent his son It is Jesus' great work to give us his righteousness and God's great work to forgive us. And I'll tell you, it's better for everyone if God does the work. If it's my work, it's just not getting done. Try as we might, as long as we arrows try to wriggle away from God's control, we're not even going to make a dent in the target. If we get there at all. Remember, The arrow needs the strength and wisdom of the archer to accomplish its purpose. So, what about us? What is it that we do? What does the arrow do? It remains in the quiver, ready for use. What does that look like for a human like you and me? Well, it looks like submitting ourselves to God's purpose. It looks like reaffirming our faith, praying for our wills to be aligned to God's. We ask God to form us, to shape us, sharpen us, make us into arrows that will fly true. We go to the scriptures to find his calling. When we find ourselves hopping toward our own targets, we repent and ask God to take us up again. We come to the Lord again And again, in worship, in confession, and in praise, saying, 
Make me ever more yours. Use me to accomplish your purpose. And he has promised to do just that. He will use redeemed sinners to announce his redeeming work to a sinful world. He will use redeemed sinners to announce his redeeming work to a sinful world. When the people begin Isaiah 49 by saying, Listen to me, O coastlands. Pay attention, you peoples from far away. This is what the people will look at. This is what they will pay attention to. The radical power of God that is made perfect in our weakness. He has saved such sinners as us and will use us to announce that salvation to other sinners. And then he'll use them to do the same thing. And then he'll use them. And then them. And on and on until the nations light up with his saving of sinners. This is the promise of a God who called you before you were born, who named you while you were in the womb. This is the promise of a God who took your sins to the cross and has decided to glorify himself by saving you. This is the God we worship, a God who has saved you and is using you for the glory of his name. Amen.